Hi there, this is Alan Alexandrov, and I'm one of the senior editors for the new Oxford Journal, Global Summetry. Today, it is my real pleasure to uh, introduce to you Mike Jobbins. Mike Jobbins is the Director of Global Affairs at Search for Common Ground. This is a leading uh, conflict transformation organization. Mike has covered the Great Lakes for some 10 years and was most recently the Senior Program Manager for Africa at Search for Common Ground. He has previously lived in Burundi and the Central Democratic Republic and worked on the region as a program associate for the Woodrow Wilson Center. Mike and his colleagues have been good enough to prepare an article which is in production right now. But some of the dire concerns that have been raised about the current violence in Burundi has caused us to accelerate our timetable and to ask Mike to join us today in talking about what's going on in Burundi. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's a real pleasure. So before we look at the immediate crisis in Burundi, um, I thought uh, I might ask you to give our audience just a little bit of insight into the work of the Search for Common Ground in Burundi. And maybe you could also describe a little bit for our audience about what's Burundi like, not so much in terms of the... In, the immediate crisis, but just more generally, what you know, what is Burundi like? I, many of in our audience wouldn't know much about the country. Sure. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, so, Search for Common Ground, we're a, a conflict transformation organization. We're one of the largest in the world. Uh, we work in uh, in all sorts of places in North America, in Europe, uh, Asia, Africa, the Middle East, to both prevent violence, but also to support inclusive decision making uh, processes. Uh, we work in, in the media space, we support dialogue, uh, we support also community action that brings people together. But we have a, a network of, uh, of about 780 staff and volunteers uh, working in 57 cities around the world, everything from working on race relations here in the United States uh, to political questions uh, in Nigeria to uh, questions of religious uh, diversity in, uh, in in Indonesia, and so so it's a, a diverse group of people working on a, a wide set of issues. Uh, but we've been in in Burundi for uh, about twenty years now. We first started in in 1995, really in the wake of the the tragedies in, in Rwanda and the, and the crisis in the DRC uh, that was that was looming, uh, and, and and the the civil war that that country w uh, was experiencing at that time. The UN and others asked us to come in. Uh, to begin working in the media space, to begin working on questions of hate speech, questions of uh, participation of violence along ethnic lines, the, the intercommunal violence um, that the country's experienced is, uh, it's experienced several waves of, the, of this violence. And so they asked us to come in, and we've been there since, uh, ever since, working in, in media, working with communities and, and uh, local organizations to, to decrease the risk of violence and, and promote a, a culture of political tolerance. Uh, I served there uh, off and on um, uh, since over the last 10 years, both with Search and with others. Um, 
Burundi, for those who haven't been there, is, is one of the, the more remarkable uh, stories and one of the more remarkable um, countries in Africa. It, it, it's, it's quite small. It's about the size of the, United, the U.S. state of Maryland uh, and home to, to 9 million people, uh, nearly all of whom are, are farmers. Uh, it's one of the few African countries, along with Ethiopia, Rwanda, where the boundaries aren't, weren't, weren't defined by the colonial uh, regimes, uh, but actually traced very closely with the former kingdom of Burundi. Uh, it, it's a hilly country. It's, um, it, it's a hilly country. It's very fertile. Uh, it's built on, uh, on hills that were the sort of the remnants of, of past volcanoes. And so it, it's, it's quite fertile and uh, has a really strong agricultural base. It's bordered to the north by Rwanda, and the history of between the two countries has been intertwined uh, over uh, over the centuries, really. Uh, people often refer to them as, as false twins. Uh, many of the same dynamics play out, but in very different ways between the two countries. Uh, it's uh, surrounded on the uh, east, west by the Democratic Republic of Congo and the east by Tanzania, and borders Lake Tanganyika, which is uh, the second largest body of fresh water in, uh, on the planet in a, a long sort of skinny strip that links East Africa with, uh, with the Southern African uh, region. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating country. It's one that has a very deep political history and one where uh, a lot of the, the questions of, uh, that, that come up now are, are ones that have you know, gone back throughout its, its history. And so since the independence from, from Belgium, there have been um, questions of, of political uh, politicization of ethnicity, uh, both at the independence period as well as uh, very serious uh, killings that I think many would, would refer to as genocidal in, in uh, the early 70s, uh, and then the civil war that, that broke out in 93 uh, and ended in a succession of agreements in, uh, in, in the early 2000s. Uh, that's uh, that's the most recent process. That that process began with the Arusha agreements, um, that sort of laid the framework for uh, for the end of the war. Uh, and the current crisis that the, the country is experiencing, uh, a lot of that is about the um, the legal terms of the the Arusha agreement about the constitution, um, and, and that's plunged at least for in some people's minds, that's plunged into a deeper question about what it means to be Burundi and what it means to to be secure uh, in, in the country. It, it has a very unique political system. It's one of the few countries on earth that has a, 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 an almost deliberate consociational uh, political system that explicitly recognizes Hutu, explicitly recognizes Tutsi, uh, Hutus being the majority population, uh, Tutsi representing a, about a 10 to 15% minority, uh, and Twa, the pygmy population, um, which is, is quite small. But that, those, those ethnic terms are explicitly represented in the Constitution, and, and there's a number of different you know, ways that power should be shared between the ethnic groups. And so while there are elections uh, to, to determine leadership uh, you know, various, you know, whether in Parliament or in, in the presidency, there are also security guarantees that either 50% or 40%, or it's either 50-50 or 60-40 um, of the officer corps of the army, of the, the rank and file of the police, within the staff of the uh, of different administrative bodies is, is all very uh, laid out in the in the Constitution. Uh, and that sort of explicit conversation about ethnicity is something that very few countries have, have done in that kind of ethnic set-aside and quota systems. Um, 
uh, has been how has been really the the formula that was agreed on um, as an end to the the 1993 crisis. So and and uh, hopefully our our listeners will. Uh, be encouraged to read the article that we're just preparing and it will hopefully be out in the next few weeks because you do go into the Arusha uh, peace process a little bit and you do talk about uh, the explicit consociationalism and the consequences of that in terms of your work and the work of other NGOs uh, in in the in Burundi but I did want to you know in this in this discussion really raise with you the nature of the growing crisis, it appears, in, in Burundi, uh, the immediate crisis. And so I, I was wondering whether you could describe to us what has led to the rising violence uh, in uh, Burundi uh, uh, in the last few months. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, the current crisis was, was triggered in, in April um, when the president uh, of the ruling, the president who is the, a candidate of the ruling party, the CNDD, FDD, um, a former rebel movement, um, announced that he would begin, he would campaign for a, a third term in office. This was something that was hotly contested by the opposition. Uh, they, the Arusha agreement was clear that there could only be two, ter- there was a two term limit. Um, now, that Arusha agreement was the agreement that began the peace process, which culminated in the Constitution. The language in the Constitution is less clear, um, and there's been a lot of, of debate within Burundi and, and from the international community as to what the Constitution means. Um, and ultimately, uh, the, the Constitutional Court did find that he could campaign for a, a third term, uh, and that announcement triggered protests. Uh, throughout the capital uh, and in a few isolated places uh, outside of the capital. Uh, as protests uh, unfolded throughout March and uh, throughout April and May, uh, there was a, a coup attempt by members uh, from the former rebel movement that also belonged to the same faction as, as the, the party, uh, uh, the same political party as the president, uh, launched a coup uh, that was put down in, in the month of May and, and over the course of of June and July, uh, in the run-up to elections, uh, isolated incidents of violence continued to 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 be reported. Uh, while the elections passed largely without incident in July, um, following the elections, there's been a, a an increasing and, and worrying number of targeted assassinations. Uh, dozens of people who are politically active, both within opposition as well as within ruling party, within the ruling party. Um, have been killed uh, in, in the attacks on, on bars, attacks on houses, um, in, in uh, attacks on vehicles. That includes the head of uh, the police, or the head of the, um, uh, I believe it was the intelligence, and one of the close presidential advisors, uh, Adolf Nchirmirimana, uh, uh, who was seen as, as one of the closest advisors to the president, uh, attempted assassination of the head of the, the uh, army chiefs of staff, um, as well as noted human rights defenders and opposition uh, officials, including uh, Pierre Claver Bonimpa, uh, one of the real champions of the human rights struggle in Burundi. And so um, the, that, those series of assassinations, uh, as well as um, a, uh, uh, as well as ongoing investigations against media and civil society groups who are perceived to have been uh, supportive of the coup in, in various degrees, 
uh, has meant that uh, there's been uh, a climate of fear that's been felt by, by many Burundians, uh, particularly in the capital, um, and, and led to, to a lot of concerns about the, um, about the tendency and the, the trend of the country. Uh, the latest crisis was, uh, was triggered, or the, the, the latest round of international attention over the past two weeks uh, has been linked to uh, an, an, the announcement that there'd be a, a government-led disarmament process in opposition neighborhoods, uh, in neighborhoods that are closely identified with the opposition and with the protest movement uh, in Bujumbura. These are neighborhoods that, for historical reasons, uh, are majority uh, uh, home to the Tutsi, uh, to the Tutsi community. Um, and the announcement that there'd be these door-to-door -door searches and uh, to remove weapons and disarm these, these neighborhoods created a lot of fear by, by the residents. It also triggered um, quite a lot of alarm uh, from the international community, particularly uh, due to some of the language that was being used um, that, that people found striking quite a, an aggressive tone. Uh, there was a speech by the, the Senate president, um, in particular, that people point to as, as triggering inter, you know as triggering warning signs, and, and that was was you know a, a lot of people in the press, in the international community, um, that sounded the alarm. There's been, um, you know, some some uh, clarifications that have been issued by the by the government, um, and so far now we're a few days into this disarmament campaign. We haven't seen significant uh, violence linked to the campaign, but nonetheless, um, these isolate these violent, um, you know, there, there are isolated killings continue. The climate uh, of fear continues, and we haven't seen. The launch of a uh, of the international dialogue process that was agreed on uh, by the East African community and the African Union, and so we see a political stagnation, very little progress, and continuing uh, continuing violence uh, here and there that that would indicate that you know it, it's only without any kind of solution, um, we're in a very unstable situation. So, so uh, from what you've said it would seem that there was an international initiative to have a, a kind of peace uh, effort from the, uh, from the East African community. Are you saying that that simply has not gotten off the ground? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it, the East African community uh, attempted in several different formulations to, to support dialogue. But it was really only in the immediate run-up to the elections that, that finally uh, they settled on the Ugandan government uh, pr and President Yeruri Museveni uh, and his uh, defense minister uh, to, uh, to lead this process uh, of dialogue. They did a few talks um, immediately before the election that went that seemed quite promising in getting buy-in from, from a number of parties for a, an international process. Um, unfortunately, after the elections, we've seen that process stall. Not only, you know, not necessarily only due to, to bad faith, or you know, that, that, but also there's just a number of other things: the war in South Sudan, domestic struggles in Uganda that are, are taking a lot of the international attention away uh, from this this process. And so, how uh, to reinvigorate that mediation, uh, that regional dialogue process, is, is high on everyone's agenda. Uh, both in terms of getting buy-in from the parties, but also structuring that process uh, in a way that, that is, is sort of robust and rapid. Okay. And, and so I think in the past 
day, two days, three days, we've seen some um, some efforts, but we haven't really seen any public uh, confirmation uh, in, in terms of, of how that process will look um, going forward. But but I think that's where everyone's eyes are really focused uh, on that uh, international process. Uh, at the same time, the government has launched a, a local dialogue process um, or a national dialogue process that they're planning to, to undertake throughout the country uh, and at every level of society to address this conflict. Uh, because of the, the way that the crisis played out, a number of leading civil society groups, media groups, uh, and people who are closely identified with the political opposition have left the country uh, and are unlikely to participate uh, in a dialogue process within the country. Uh, and so how that, um, you know, how those, that perspective uh, is reflected in the national process, is reflected in the international process, uh, is quite, um, is something that I think people are, are actively considering and trying to work out. So, I, again, you know, having reviewed your uh, article, you spend some time describing the, your efforts and the efforts of other NGOs in Burundi. I guess, you know, the tough question here is, uh, is to raise the issue, is the political consensus, and you talk about the political consensus growing out of um, the, uh, cons you know, the peace accords and the, and the Constitution, has that begun to fray in a way which causes you real concern because you have people on the ground there uh, working uh, with groups in Burundi? You know, I think the, the political consensus um, is, what, is something that within that among Burundians has been forged and it's deep. By and large, um, Burundians uh, have undergone a, a tremendous reconciliation process. The way that ethnicity is talked about openly uh, and the degree to which people have rec recognized, ordinary citizens have recognized the need to put the past behind them um, is, a, is a testament to the strength of society. And, and if we're not, despite you know six months now of, of protracted political crisis, attempted coup, if you had told me when I started working on Burundi 10 years ago that there'll be a coup attempt, there'll be you know, political crisis, there'll be, um, you know, isolated cases of hate speech. And yet, despite all of that, the Burundian people rejected, you know, reject ethnic violence. I wouldn't believe it. I mean, the fact is, but, you know, I would not have believed it. But, you know, the fact is that the Burundian people have come far because reconciliation is, possible, is uh, popular, because peace is popular. And that's not something that's necessarily driven by the political, you know, classes, so much is something that, that's taken place in, in the, the mentality and the spirit uh, of ordinary individuals. That said, uh, and, and that's been something that we and many other peace organizations, many Burundian organizations, the faith community, um, and international groups have, have supported in, uh, supported a reconciliation process that Burundians have, uh, have wanted. Um, that said, I mean, the, the political consensus will, no matter what, um, Will, is being tried right now. Um, you know, we see you know, there is certainly hate speech uh, on social media. Um, people, you know, referring to um, referring to Tutsis as um, uh, as uh, cockroaches and dogs. We see uh, people. We see uh, presumably Tutsis referring to uh, members of the ruling party uh, uh, who are predominantly Hutu as a cancer. Um, 
the understanding be that cancer must be eliminated. Those are very small minority voices. Um, the vast majority, and we see how they're, they're shouted down by Burundians themselves. But the fact is that those kinds of, of ideas are being injected into the, the discourse, and there is a there is a risk of um, that that some of this, uh, you know, the, the ethnic, um, you know, the 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 degree of ethnic reconciliation that's been forged so far. Uh, is is being tested, and and it's not only being tested during this crisis, but you know, it, no matter how this crisis ends, uh, there's still a long backlog of land disputes that need to get resolved. Many of which the land was expropriated uh, along ethnic lines. There's going to be there is a truth and reconciliation commission that's going to investigate issues of the past, and all of that has ethnic undertones. Um, and, and so, you know, there there are. The consensus is, is still there, the consensus is strong, but it's being tested now and it will be tested over the next few years. Uh, as, you know, before we can say that, you know, that, that the, the, a, a new corner has really been, been turned. Well, uh, let me then kind of end. I mean, this week, and you and I talked about it off the, off the air for a few minutes, that the UN um, expressed um, concern that, in fact, um, uh, they they saw their elements on the ground as being worse off than in fact the elements that they had on the ground in Rwanda, the neighboring uh, the neighboring uh, state. And moreover, uh, the president of Rwanda, who obviously knows ethnic conflict, uh, Paul Kagame, uh, you know, raised concern. I think he's largely stayed away from the. You know the uh, the discussions in Burundi, but he did raise the concern uh, that you know somehow he saw he, or he feared that Burundi might go down the path that Rwanda went down back in '94. What's your sense? I mean, can, are you sound more optimistic? You sound as if you know the Burundian people are going to be able to get by on this. Is that kind of where you're at at this point? You know, ultimately. There, without a political situation, without a political solution, it's very difficult to uh, it's very difficult to imagine um, that you know this kind of the, the grassroots consensus or that the wills of the ordinary people will, will triumph uh, forever. Um, you know, there are, the vast majority of Burundian of the Burundian population does not want to see violence. They don't want war. They don't want. Um, and and by and large, there there's not that that kind of ethnic fear and resentment that we saw in Rwanda prior to uh, the genocide uh, at a um, at a at a wide level. Burundi is, is historically much in over the past few years has been much more inclusive than Rwanda was in the in the pre-genocidal period. All that said, we are on a track where um, they're dangerous. Uh, we're, we're at a track where the the political environment is is dangerous and poisonous and. Without um, you know, without that that kind of consensus, we, we are seeing a, a we are in a process where we're seeing a, a fraying, and I think that's reflected. You know, we we work at Burundi. We've been doing quite a lot of uh, opinion research, and you know, as we talk to people, and by and large, you know, there there is a sense of, of uneasiness. Um, majorities of Burundians across the country um, don't feel that the social cohesion is there within their communities. The vast majority of Burundians do themselves feel personally safe um, as they go about their business, with the exception of, of certain neighborhoods. Um, but but that une um, but that uneasiness is, is felt generally, um, and 
so um, that uneasy. There's a mistake though in this region because of the legacy of genocide in Rwanda, because of the the legacy of identity killings in um, uh, in Burundi, in, um, in the DRC and, and in Burundi. It would be a mistake to focus on on that as being the only uh, unfortunate kind of scenario that could develop. Um, you know, there there is a there are, there are a number of of, um, uh, of risks in Burundi, including the risk of uh, multi party conflict. Um, there's an enormous number of, of weapons within the hands of civilians. There, you know, there, there's a lot to to be concerned about, and. Um, Certainly, uh, genocide is one thing that this region has, has experienced, um, but it's not the only kind of violence, not the only kind of, uh, of you know, identity-driven violence that, that, we, um, that we're worried about. Okay. Well, I, I certainly uh, wish your, your organization um, uh, best efforts to try to tamp down some of this activity. Uh, and obviously other NGOs, and I certainly hope that the, you know, the next time we get together to talk about this issue, uh, we won't have quite the serious um, landscape that appears to be the case for Burundi right now. Thank you. Thanks for your, um, thanks for your, your wishes, and, and uh, we're, we're publishing different kinds of reports and information updates, both sharing through um, social media, on Twitter, uh, as well as on uh, our Burundian colleagues have set up a quite a dynamic Facebook page. Uh, we didn't have uh, a Facebook page six months ago, but we're now uh, the number two Facebook page in the country um, because of the degree to which people are, are looking for information and looking to talk about these issues within Burundi. And so I'd, I'd steer everyone to the Search for Common Ground Burundi Facebook page or Twitter accounts, and we'll be publishing things through our main uh, website as well. Um, including some of the, the analysis that things unfold. Well, that's great, Mike, and we look forward to your article also coming out here at Global Summitry. So um, uh, hopefully things, uh, the next, as I said, the next time we talk, a little bit more positive, uh, hopefully. We sure hope so. Yeah, thanks. This Global Cemetery podcast was hosted by Alan Alexandrov, produced by Harmony Z, music by Kevin McLeod. For more information, check out globalcemeteryproject.com.